Now. Hello and welcome to Fun Fact Collectors. I'm Jadrian. Some people collect stamps, some people collect coins, we collect fun facts, and now you do too. Welcome to the club, nerd. Do I sound better this week? Um, maybe. But we we'll now see. have matchy matchy mics. We do. I'm gonna need all of our fans to write in and tell me how great I sound. We're also going to need you to write in and send us money because mics are expensive. <laughs> I like how I'm making it sound like I bought a new one. I did not. This is just my mic. Yeah, you've already had this one. Yes. Uh, I decided to be a copycat and get the same thing. Yeah. So I can hopefully sound better, at least to myself. Is this week's episode about mics? Oh, it's not. That would have been a good one. Um, I guess we should address the lack of an episode last week as well. Oh, yeah, I suppose. We had some technical difficulties. And honestly, I'm kind of impressed with us that this is the first major hiccup we've had. Yeah, we got a dozen episodes in and it was episode 13 that had problems, which, <gasps> you know, that's that's the number. That's the bad Spooky. luck number. We have a yeah. Friday the 13th coming up in October this year. and I'm <laughs> so excited. Well, I think that podcast was just destined or that episode was just destined not to work well. Uh, I was very sick. So we had drug a special guest in to be on the podcast. And then, of course, that's the podcast where the recording didn't work right. That's this whole thing. Anyway, point is, we've managed to recover the recording like just before we start this episode. So at some point, we'll release that the last episode. But I guess this is episode 13, round two. (laughs) We could do what what some buildings do where they don't have like a 13th room. (laughs) Like when I worked cleaning hotel rooms, we yeah. did not have a 13th room on either floor. So we could just not have a 13th podcast episode. Just episode 14. <laughs> no, that would probably be confusing. And also, the technical difficulties have nothing to do with Brad getting a new mic. That was just a, a, a happenstance. Yes, I definitely didn't sneak in and delete that recording to justify waiting until I have a sick mic so I can lean in and do stuff like this. Please don't do that. I can do whatever I want now. I have a cool mic. Please don't do that. <laughs> <laughs> what? Do you not find this electrifying? Well, now that um, you've gotten rid of our entire listenership, <laughs> what are we talking about this week? Electricity. Oh, God. I, I feel like this was a, a foregone conclusion because we talked about water and drinking and water distribution infrastructure. And I, I feel like in that like, episode, I said I was just going to do electricity, and I have done so now. I feel like you, your problem is that you need to pick smaller topics. No, <laughs> because fine. you're like, water, time, <laughs> electricity. You're going to run out of topics so fast. Yeah. No, that's fine. Listen, <clears throat> my list of topics just keeps growing and growing and growing anyway. Um, getting through them is not going to be the problem. Or sorry. Having things to occupy myself is not going to be the problem. I'm very excitedly waiting for the day when one of us begins presenting a topic and the other person goes, I had that on my list. (laughs) I don't know. We almost had that with Egypt because I did want to do um, mummies, but I was more interested in the Victorian mummy craze, not in the history of ancient Egypt. Yeah, and we could still do a whole podcast episode just on mummification and mummies Mm -hmm. and the Victorians eating them. Like, that's enough content on its own. Instead of just me screaming, Egypt, it's old for an hour. (laughs) But I feel like um, someday we're going to end up in a situation where, like, we'll have a very specific story, like my story of the American hippo bill. 
And the other person will be like, what are the chances? This is also <laughs> on my list. And that will be a fun day. All right. Well, we'll see if we get there. But uh, I don't think that day is today. Because as I said, I have electricity. I'm definitely not talking to you about electricity. So it's not today. Probably <laughs> won't be tomorrow. And I, I came at this from a couple of different angles. I have been listening and watching to a YouTube channel called Technology Connections, which you I know Technology Connections. Yeah, you watch it too. My husband watches it, and I'm also here. Yeah, I wasn't sure how, um, like, conscientiously you watched it. I enjoy them. Okay, I I enjoy any kind of um, peek into the inner workings of things. I was a how stuff. Uh, what is it? how, how it's made works. kid? No, I was or a how it. it's made kid. Yeah. 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 So anyway, Alec from Technology Connections, fantastic. I feel like we're of similar mindsets where we just like getting super into stuff and making content about it. Uh, he does a way better job than we do. So go watch yeah. his stuff. And if he wants to be on the show, he can just send us just hop in the DMs anytime. Yeah. <laughs> um. So I've been watching a couple of his videos about electrifying america today which kind of got me thinking about the past and electrification electrifying america yesterday yeah yesterday so he talks a lot about i guess lay back up a little further electricity it does stuff indeed um it's definitely one of if not the biggest backbone of modern society i mean we talk about how critical the internet is to the way the world works and good luck having the internet without electricity yeah it's basically modern witchcraft yeah and in that i don't know how it works and i am a little afraid of it yeah so we're gonna demystify some of that for you tonight and it's it's a deceptively simple machine at like a, a base understanding level, I'm not trivializing electrical engineering because obviously there's a huge amount of actual science and engineering that goes into actually implementing this. But I mean, I feel like, you know, hopefully you can walk away from this tonight with a foundational understanding of how the power grid works. Uh, whereas like, you know, advanced theoretical particle physics, I got nothing. So electricity is fundamentally just turning some kind of, of mechanical energy into electrical energy we've been using mechanical energy forever right i mean picture your stereotypical windmill you know mm -hmm. big old windy blades spinning around yeah grinding or up like the a wheat. flour mill yeah, yeah yeah or a sawmill right you get the water wheel in the river turning to yeah. move saw blade to cut logs that's all fine and dandy uh in the late 1800s people were like hey electricity exists what if we use that instead and, you know, thus took over the electrification of the developed world or I guess developing. I don't know, whatever we call that uh, into the States and Canada and Europe. And it's amazing how far it's come. Uh, initially, you had all these very small scale grids. And I guess when I say the grid. Do you kind of do you have some sort of base level understanding of what that is or you just like oh, yes, the my grid, dude it's a thing. you lost me at windmills <laughs> <laughs> i don't even understand you're like oh yeah someone was like electricity exists let's just harness that instead and i'm like i'm lost yeah is it like somebody some like static electricity that we get this idea from is it like lightning what is the 
What is uh, the impetus? I didn't go that line. Um, I know the big thing in the late 1800s uh, was a refinement of some technology from the earlier 1800s around, they call them dynamos, but essentially a generator, because the way that you create electricity for most things is you take some mechanical input. Like, do you ever have one of those flashlights as a kid where you could shake it? Yeah, or like a crank flashlight. Exactly. So that's how that's electricity. That's how it works. End of podcast. We're done. No, but what happens (laughs) inside? So like I crank this flashlight up. Yeah. What happens inside? (laughs) So in like a crank flashlight or a shake flashlight, you've got a magnet and you've got a coil of wire, usually copper. Okay. So when the magnet passes through the copper or, you know, uh, when the magnet passes the copper, the copper passes the magnet or things spin around, Mm -hmm. the magnet excites the electrons inside the copper. Okay. And then they want to move and that's electricity. Obviously, this is a very, very scaled down explanation, but. That makes sense to me. Yeah. I understand. One really common metaphor for electricity is like, uh, like water pipes. Okay. So you have a pipe, which is your wire. Mm-hmm. You have electricity and electrons, which you can loosely imagine as the individual droplets of water in the pipe. Okay. And then when you're putting pressure into that pipe by shaking up the flashlight or whatever, mm-hmm. you're putting energy into it, and then you turn on the tap, and it comes at the other end. Very loosely goosely. Okay. Okay. I understand, though. Yeah. All right. And so late 1800s you you have different folks. i have a university degree and this is <laughs> brand new information yeah I mean, you, thank you was, public school system i mean you didn't do like a stem degree i don't think you did a lot of, like stem stuff in high school either just, i mean i did an entire grade 12 education yeah <laughs> learning how electricity works isn't a fundamental part of that yeah but it should be like i'm pretty sure we skipped or had to really like fast forward through our unit on electricity in my in my grade 12 physics class i definitely did not take physics <laughs> but i feel like i feel like as citizens of a society we should be it should be a requirement that we have a basic understanding of how the um pillars of our civilization function mm-hmm. and i don't feel like i have that <laughs> so interesting but I, I get what you mean, because obviously electricity is so important to everyone's life. We should all have some idea of how it works. And yet mm-hmm. so many people just go, I turn on the switch, the light comes on. And that's I mean, as far as they know. We have to have a basic understanding of like how the government works, the yeah. different levels of government. That is another huge structure within our society. Um, I feel like we should we have to have a basic understanding of how we how agriculture works and yeah. ranching you call it ranching farm like yeah. animal raising like we all have to have a basic understanding of those things you cover those things in school see but i, I definitely like... am a person where i'm like until now i understand the concept of like wiring i could probably even do some basic electrical wiring but i had never had somebody explain to me the science i'm like oh it probably you know like it produces energy through like kind of friction maybe and stuff gets hot. <laughs> That's not far from the truth, but going back to your baseline education stuff, I feel like I didn't learn as much as I should have in school 
around like how like the government and law worked. Now, I didn't take the generic law class offered to me in high school. Mm -hmm. I think I had a conflict with something else. And I feel like contemporary how government works today was not something ever taught. Obviously, oh, the the British parliamentary system in a historical context, sure. But in terms of here's how you go get involved in politics today, no idea. I mean, I don't know that either, but I think at the very least, I remember having a unit on, okay, and this is the municipal government and the different uh, areas covered under the municipal government's jurisdiction. This is the provincial government. These are the areas under that jurisdiction. And then this is the federal. And I'm sure I was taught about parliament and the House of Commons and all these different things. I just don't retain it. That's not my (laughs) teacher's fault. Yeah. Anyway, anyway, sorry, I've totally derailed you. Yeah, so electricity. What was the last point I even made? It exists, basically. Yeah, you were like, electricity exists. And I was like, yeah. wait, stop there. <laughs> wait, do it though? So I guess do you, like, obviously, you know, we have power lines. Yes. And that those do something. I understand the concept of the grid. Yeah. In, yeah. I feel like the grid is this nebulous term that's thrown around when really... It's so much bigger than I think most people think. There is an unbroken line. Well, that's not technically true. Don't spread misinformation. (laughs) I was going to say there's an unbroken line of copper running from my house to your house to probably everyone you know in North America almost. But that's not strictly true. It's almost true, though. Because it's almost true. It's almost true, which is good enough, right? That's fact. <laughs> yeah, we deal with facts here. <laughs> almost facts. How is it almost true? Okay, so yeah, what I'm is just true? Place here. So let's start with the journey of an electron. And for physics nerds, I know this isn't correct, but let's just just work with me here, okay? Take me there, Miss Frizzle. So you are at a power plant. We're not going to worry about what kind of power plant you are right now. Point is. You're an electron. You've just started your life, I guess. You've been birthed. That's not how electrons work right. at all. <laughs> but you're at a power plant. You become an electron. You are an electron. You are an electron. I'm an electron. <laughs> yeah, you've always been an electron. And, and I you're always now will at be a power plant. You've been excited by the power plant. And you're like, oh boy, I I'm sure jazzed. am ready to get out there and do work. Woohoo. So what happens is you start your journey inside the power plant. You go to that power plant's transformer. Do you know what a transformer does? Uh, I know they blow up. Uh, yeah. Okay. Inconveniently. Hey, they make really pretty blue flashes when they all blow up. That's true. So a transformer, and I guess we'll go back a step really quick. You're at, a, at an AC power plant because you're, you're familiar with, with the fact that there's AC and DC electricity. I know that there are different types of electricity. Yeah. Uh, So AC current was popularized by Nikola Tesla. It is alternating current, which basically means instead of you often see diagrams of electricity flowing in one straight circuit, like like a race car on a track, just going the same way around and around and around. That's for simplicity. That's how DC or direct current works. But AC or alternating current just goes back and forth really quick. I'm realizing that I did do a unit on this in school. (laughs) (laughs) I just clearly wasn't paying attention. I was probably reading under the desk. Nerd, but the wrong kind of nerd, I guess. I don't know. Yeah. Anyway, so one of the really cool things 
about AC current is that it's really easy to change the voltage. Voltage, roughly speaking, is like the the water pressure in a hose. Okay. You can imagine. Yeah. So at the power plant, you can have whatever voltage you want coming out and then put that through a transformer. And with, with just so the way a transformer works is is super easy. We talked about how it's uh, the magnetic inductance of putting a magnet through copper and shaking mm-hmm. them around is what generates the electricity. Mm-hmm. You take one copper winding, you take a, a copper winding with a different number of windings on it, you put them next to each other, and one copper winding will induce mm-hmm. a current in the other one. So the wires don't technically touch, mm-hmm. but they come really close to touching. And you can take your 50 volts and step it up to 50,000 volts if you want. Okay. That That's the part of the magic of AC is that you can transform it really easily okay. without advanced electronics. So the transmission lines coming from a power plant to a city or between cities or between states and provinces, those can be hundreds of thousands of volts. And the reason you want that so high is that it's more efficient. And then as you get to town, you might go from hundreds of thousands of volts to dozens of volts to tens of volts or sorry, tens of thousands of volts. And then eventually, you know, outside of every couple of houses, you have those small pole top transformers, the ones that you're talking about blowing up when there's like ice storms and stuff. Mm-hmm. And people stealing the copper out of. Yeah. I don't think you're stealing copper out of a transformer. That'd be a bad idea. I don't but know. If the I guess if you're determined stealing enough, copper you can steal are you known want. for their good ideas. Yeah. Anyway, so the power gets to your house eventually. And then it gets stepped down finally from, you know, 10,000 volts down to 120 volts or 240 volts for your house. Bada bing, bada boom. And that transmission network spans all across the continent. It's primarily divided up into three areas. The western part of the continent, the eastern part of the continent, and Texas. Okay. But it wasn't always so interconnected. Of course, when things first started back in the late 1800s, early 1900s, you had these like hyper local generating stations that served like one part of town. Uh, oftentimes, you might have early factories that basically had their own power plant on site to power the factory and then would just sell the excess power to whoever was nearby because electrifying stuff was that great. Uh, I was reading up actually. Uh, so, the Provincial Power Commission for We Live, I just read their like self published ebook. <laughs> that was like, you know, the power corporation from 1920 to 1990. And it just kind of details the start of the power commission, which surprisingly interesting, weirdly laid out and not as much details I would like on some stuff. But like basically every city around here had its own one or two power companies or power and water company or power and gas company, because to start with, those were the, you know, we had coal gas infrastructure in some cities before we had power, which is, mm-hmm. is just just seems so wild to me that there was a point in time where you had a pipe bringing not natural gas, but coal gas into your house so that you could burn it in your walls for light. Yeah. And that just seems so bizarre to me. It seems incredibly dangerous. And <laughs> I'm sure it was. Yeah. Um, go watch Technology Connections video on like old lighting technologies except don't watch it until after you're finished with our podcast well of course 
Yes, I actually think I've I've seen that video. I believe. Yeah, well, it's like a four part series. I think I've seen the one on light bulbs. Yeah, so he talks. He goes from like oil lamps to gas lamps to light bulbs. I think he even gets into different kinds of light bulbs. Truly fascinating. It's like four hours of like fantastic YouTube content. Uh, imagine us, but if we had props and visual stuff <laughs> and did better research um and well i was gonna say didn't have technology issues but i'm sure he's got technology oh issues. yeah he doesn't post i think as regularly scheduled as we do i like his bloopers yeah he's got good bloopers so as extras anyway so in the late 1800s you have these these coal gas companies who start realizing hey maybe we should also offer this newfangled electricity We've already got pipes running to everyone's house in town. We can put some some jankety old school wires in there too. Why not? What's going to go wrong? Yeah, just and shove I'm them sure that led to zero explosions. So, like in an area like ours, or in, and stop me if you're going to get to it. In an area like ours now, how far away could our power be coming from? That's a fantastic question. Like if all, like if you're saying there's like, let's say East Coast. Yeah. Most of East Coast North America is all on one power grid how far away like is our is our power coming from like down in the states Does um, it remain within canada pr- probably not and this is where it is all one big grid but it is broken up into like smaller distinct regions so um in canada it's largely like province by province because they're okay. mostly provincially owned or provincially run okay. utilities so like each province would have its own or multiple power plants. Yeah. And okay. it's it's kind of like a highway where if you look at, at one province, there's tons of roads inside the province. Mm-hmm. But the actual roads that leave and go to a different province, there's not a ton of them. And yeah. they're usually and they're all bigger. Connected. Yeah, they're usually bigger main highway networks. Okay. Like I understand. Or whatnot. Um, and the really cool thing about electricity is uh, the state has made a better example for this where it's privatized for better or for worse. So you can have, you know, in, in, you know, one state, you can have like Texas, for example, um, if you're a power producer in Texas, you just get paid for what, for however much energy you put into the grid. Um, it's still just one set of interconnected wires because at some point, like again, reading about the provincial power corporation here, they are talking about, oh, you know, this company was granted rights to put poles on this side of the road. This company was granted rights to put oh poles on this God. side of the road. Mm-hmm. The telephone company had wires going up and down both sides of the road. And eventually mm-hmm. we went, that's too many poles. Let's just put them all on one thing. Yeah. Um, and thank goodness. Thank and some goodness. places where they have everything run underground. Oh, it looks beautiful. Yeah. So but like I said, in Texas, you can be a, a power, like you can start up Jade's coal-fired, authentic, hand-cold electricity generation place yes we um, do actually <laughs> hold the trademark for that name <laughs> the flavor Texas. saver <laughs> the flavor saver and you can you know as much as much uh power as you put into the grid if you have someone to buy it from you wholesale it's not like you package up an electron and put it onto the grid and that electron goes to your customer you put out 100 megawatts onto the grid and someone else out there is buying 100 megawatts from the grid it's kind of like imagine. Can I can I take a, a yeah. guess at an example, and you can yeah. tell me if I'm understanding you correctly? So at my work, we started something informally called the snack fund, 
where mm. everybody is welcome to put as much or as little money as they want into it. But if you participate, then you can pull out of it and go purchase snacks. I mean, in this case, then it's shared with the whole office, but mm -hmm. we're all contributing to one pot and it's not necessarily um, the same people taking out of it. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, yeah, if it was like Halloween candy, right? Everyone brings a box of Halloween candy, you know, different kinds of Halloween candy, mm -hmm. but for the purpose of argument, um, we're treating all, all kinds of candy as equal. And you put in 20 pieces. And they I are put not. In... And we will be releasing our tier list after this episode. <laughs> but let's say I put, you put in 20 pieces. I put in 40 pieces. Um, your husband wants 30. My wife, my wife wants 30 pieces out of it. No one's tracking. Okay, this is a piece that Bradley put in. And then his wife got it out. It's just Bradley put in this many. This person bought this many. Done. It's uh, it's a it's a potluck. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. It's a big electrical potluck because it's just one grid and you put energy in and it just goes to wherever it's used the most. So you could have a factory and a power plant located right next to each other and they're engaged with buying and selling power with a different pair of power plants and factories located across town. So on paper, the electricity is traveling across town in air quotes, but in actuality, the electricity is going to take the shortest path to where it's needed. Mm, so, I understand. yeah. So, is our are the electrons that power your microwave coming from Florida? Almost definitely not. But having that big grid allows that whole grid to respond to shifts in demand, mm. which can also be a bad thing. Have you heard about the 2003 Northeast blackout? Um, huh. I don't know if I've heard about that specifically, but I know there was a monumental blackout in Friends, and they live in New York, which is northeast. That is. So, so maybe, maybe. if it wasn't if it wasn't specifically the 2003 northeast blackout, it might have just been vaguely inspired by that. Yeah. So. Yeah, like I said, the grid's this giant interconnected thing because, oh, and so fun fact, um, I remember as a kid thinking that, oh, geez, you know, when I turn this light switch, like, you know, the dam or the the coal plant must have to like fire up to compensate for that. And I feel That's like I so asked, cute. but I'm right. That's how it works. Is Doesn't that seem wild? That can't be right. It is. We talked in our water episode about how the production of municipal drinking water does not have to equal the exact consumption rate because mm -hmm. you can put water into a water tower and have it stored for later. Mm -hmm. We do not possess large scale grid level electricity storage. It's coming. It's on the, it's starting to be on the verge and we'll talk about some later, but for the last hundred years of electrification, if the grid, if everyone, if all the, the consumers on the grid were pulling, you know, a thousand megawatts of power, the grid had to put out or the producers had to put into the grid a thousand megawatts of power. And if you don't, things go sideways really hmm. quick. And so this is why having these big, large interconnected grids is important because you have a better time smoothing things out because obviously you can't respond to like milliseconds. Mm -hmm. to turn on a nuclear power plant. <laughs> they mm -hmm. don't turn on that fast. 
So the more the more you have, the more kind of the the inertia of these power plants can smooth out like the second to second variation and stuff. But like, isn't that just like blow your mind crazy? Yeah, that's wild. Yeah, like it basically every bit of electricity you're you're consuming is produced in in like real time. So that's why they offer incentives to make it cheaper to use power at non-peak times. Yes. Ha. Huh. Because yeah, so and we don't have time of use billing in our province yet. We haven't rolled the smart meters, but in lots of places they do have time of use billing because not all power plants are the same. Like a nuclear power plant, you turn it on, it's on, mm-hmm. right? You, you don't just dial down a nuclear power plant. Um you know, easy peasy, right? Which is my it's my biggest complaint with uh, National Lampoon's Christmas Vacation. Clark Griswold <laughs> plugs in his giant string of Christmas lights. You see the wheel to start spinning around in his meter. It cuts to like, you know, the city all like dimming down, call a brownout. And then it cuts to like some power control room where some guy like hits like the emergency nuclear power button, which is not all how that works. Well, and we finally come across a movie that I think is a classic that I have not seen that you have seen. Interesting. So. Oh, it's like a like a religious thing with my wife's family. Like multiple it's a, times. I know watch it's that. a classic. I've just never happened to see it. Yeah. It's um, I'm glad you mentioned brownouts because I've heard the term before and I didn't really know what it was. I mean, I kind of, I think, inferred and I think I inferred correctly. Um, and then I know that I think Los Angeles in like pop culture media is kind of famous for like rolling blackouts yeah. and like brownouts and power management in that way. Yeah. Um, so I distinctly remember an episode of Criminal Minds where murder was occurring uh, during I, I think I know blackouts. Yeah. So a brownout is just a reduced amount of electrical capacity. So it's when mm-hmm. the grid isn't producing enough to meet the demands okay. and, and and the voltage comes down and things go sideways then. Mm-hmm. Uh, you don't want an extended brownout. It's not healthy for electronics, obviously. Okay. Um, but so we're talking about, yeah, because you brought up peak load. Um, much like COVID, you want to level the curve, flatten the curve. Okay. Uh, so that's why they have time of use billing because, right, so your nuclear power plant, you fire that thing up, it's running for 20 years, right? Putting out 600 megawatts, for example, all day, every day, forever. Mm-hmm. You really can't turn it off. Whether or not it's required? Yes. Like it just goes further. Well, the it's idea. Not being used closer. Yeah. So the idea is that either you export that power somewhere or ideally um, that's what's called base load generation. So there's always some amount of power being used, right? Like your fridge, um, you know, there's always some amount of heating and cooling running especially where we live (laughs) yeah so um coal power plants are also often used for that base load generation and then you have stuff like hydro or natural gas fire plants Mm -hmm. that can start up and turn off in like a minute's time frame Mm -hmm. to help you know like everyone gets home at four or five o'clock it's the winter you crank the heat up you turn the stove on to cook Mm -hmm. supper you go take a shower, you turn the lights on because it's dark. So there's way more electricity demand at four o'clock on a Friday or five o'clock on a Friday than at two o'clock that same afternoon. Mm-hmm. Or demand in a different area. Yeah. Um, and, and that's I why have... having these big grids where you can shift and like send power around to kind of smooth out that whole thing. So 
we've talked about the constant power production. Yeah. We've talked about um, power production you can turn on and off. What about things like wind turbines and solar power? Because I know solar power on a small scale, we do have the ability to store that power to be used at another time. But on a big scale, like I'm thinking driving to uh, Nova Scotia and you drive by the fields of Mm -hmm. windmills, wind, not wind Wind turbines, wind turbines. How does that work? Yeah. So you basically nothing about grid operator um but you just take it you can get it if the windmills are putting out Mm. enough power that you don't have to turn on the natural gas plant to hit the peak great but you still have to have something else okay yeah so So basically it it would take the place of like the hydro yeah yeah some kind of what's called like a, a peaker plant okay got it yeah so yeah those are the peaks right and so we're talking about the 2003 northeast blackout which is I'll, I'll put a link in a video for practical engineering. Does a great video on it, but essentially three trees and a computer outage took out all of the power in Ontario, New York, Ohio, and all of the States in that area. Wild. Yeah. Um, because so there's a computer bug in one of the electricity company software where their alarms weren't working. So they didn't know that one of their transmission lines went out. <laughs> that's, and something, that's something you want. It's like when it's, yeah. when the check engine light comes on, your dad goes, oh, light's just broken. It's fine. <laughs> um, and so you know that you shouldn't overload an extension cord, right? Yes. Or like a, like a power outlet. We'll talk and about I know that you too. should not plug a um, a power bar into another power bar into an extension. Yeah, cord. let's, but let's I put still a pin do. in that. Let's put a pin in that. We'll come back to All that. Right. It's not as bad as you think it is. Oh, good. But so the, the electricity grid is basically just a bunch of really fancy, expensive extension cords, right? Oh, good. And so what happened is one of these cords, the trees hadn't been trimmed near it enough. The transmission line, because it gets hot, mm-hmm. um, you know, the the loss, the inefficiency in electricity distribution is lost as waste heat. Mm-hmm. So that line dips down far enough, hits a tree, short circuit. The automatic circuit breaker on that line goes, oh, no, cuts out the circuit, the line. Mm-hmm. Okay, it's fine. Power starts going down a different route instead because it wants to find, kind of like water, wants to find the path of least resistance mm-hmm. to get where it wants to go. Um, now, that line is over its capacity. You're running it with too many amps of the line. Mm-hmm. So it gets hot. It sags. Oh, hits no. a tree. Boom. So now you've got the two big transmission lines that are out. So now all that power is going out on the smaller lines. Imagine if the highway closes down mm-hmm. and all the highway traffic just routes onto surface streets, neighborhoods, those get cl- clogged up and then they get shut down and then that all spirals out and now you have this big break in your transmission grid. So now there's not enough power in part of the grid. So um, like power plants will shut off because the power plant's like, hey, my power is not going anywhere. Yeah. Uh, I got, I can't just be putting power into nothing. I'm going to shut off. So you had places that had power still, but they had too much power. So the power plant shut off. And so all all this stuff shuts off and then you've got to go around and try to figure out, okay, what, what, what's got to turn on first? What can we reconnect first? So on and so forth. Mm -hmm. And, uh, in Texas in 2021, they Uh, had a similar problem. Is this like the ice storms? Yeah. That was a big Texas ice storm. Mm-hmm. And it wasn't just Texas. It was like the entire southern U.S. 
was like 15 degrees Celsius below their average temperatures yeah. for up to a week. Yeah. Which, I mean, imagine if we were 15 degrees Celsius mm-hmm. cold, colder than average for a whole week. Yeah. And so... Especially in the middle of the winter. Yeah. And so part of it is that Texas has a limited, because they're their own separate grid compared mm-hmm. to the entire Western and Eastern halves of the North American continent, mm-hmm. they have a much more limited ability to import power, uh, as well as the fact that everyone they're going to import power from is also experiencing extra high demand. Yeah. We'll take a quick break here and talk about kind of the fundamental units of electricity. Okay. So I've talked about megawatts a little bit here already. Um, A watt is just an amount of power without a time scale. A watt doesn't really tell you how much overall. Um, Okay. Like a 60 watt light bulb. Okay. That 60 watt light bulb uses 60 watts, you know, at an instant. That's the instantaneous amount of power. It's It's like the, the pressure in a hose. Is that the one you said? Uh, like if, no. you, if you're talking about like the droplets, no, like the amount that's... of droplets coming out of a hose. Yeah, hose pressure is more analogous to like uh, volts or pressure. Oh, okay. Um, but so that one 60 watt light bulb, if mm-hmm. you leave that on for one hour, mm-hmm. it's going to consume 60 watt hours. Okay. Um, and if that light bulb's working on a 120 volt circuit, which is what mm-hmm. the wiring in your house is, it's going to use some number of amps. And okay. now, really simple physics formula for you. Uh, watts is equal to volts times amps. Okay. So for simplicity's sake, uh, if you had a 10 volt, like your, your cell phone, for example, uh, USB chargers are 5 volts. And if your phone's working at 2 amps, 5 volts times 2 amps is 10 watts. Okay. Yeah. I can do that math. Yeah, it's, it's easy math. Um, it's algebra. The, yeah. And the other, the other factor that you see come up a lot that doesn't really equate into the amount of power used is for AC power, it's the frequency or the hertz. Okay. Um, and so 60 hertz, remember we talked about how AC current flips back and forth? Yes. It does that. So it, it flips its, its direction or its polarity 60 times every second. So the frequency of power in North America is 60 hertz. Okay. So that's why, like, if you go look at, um, like, your electronics, like, I've got a battery charger here, and you'll see that this actually says it can accept input between 100 and 240 volts at 50 to 60 hertz. So in Europe, they, I think, are entirely on 50 hertz power, um, which means that if you take a device over there that's expecting 60 hertz, and it doesn't know how to handle 50 hertz, you plug it into an outlet oh, in, in England, okay. it's not going to be happy. Also so in England, is that why they have different shaped plugs? Yeah, so that's that part of it too. you can't plug the wrong devices into? Yeah, that, that's definitely part of it. Um, you can have, I think all of Europe is 240 volt, 50 hertz power. I should double check that, but I'm pretty sure that there, you can still find different outlets in different parts of Europe, mm-hmm. um, just owing to the history of it. Yeah. Well, I just know that um, they say here, if you're going to travel overseas to get a universal adapter. Yeah. 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 But the really cool thing is, and you wouldn't want to do this, but um, even though there's different plugs, all they're really doing 
is connecting different wires together. Mm -hmm. So if you know this is the hot wire, this is the neutral wire, and here's the ground wire, right? You can just take those and jam them into outlets in, oh, in Russia, in Japan, in Italy, in England. As long That's as your gutsy. device can handle, you know, the parameters of the power, you're fine. I don't Obviously, even wanna, I wouldn't do that. I don't even want to have to jumpstart my car by myself. <laughs> yeah. Um, I guess. And that's yeah. just matching colors. Yeah. Definitely don't plug random wires into random outlets. We are not advising this and we will not be held liable. <laughs> this, this is not electrical advice. <laughs> right. So Texas, the frequency of the grid is a super duper important thing. Not just for this reason, but fun fact, that's how a lot of clocks work. Okay. So I think we talked in one episode about how um, you have pendulum clocks or you put electricity through a piece of quartz. Oh, we talked about it in the time episode. <laughs> and so the quartz will flip-flop around. You can measure that. But you can also use the grid because the grid should oh, very predictably... I understand. ...make that that polarity shift 60 times every second. Mm -hmm. So you count 60 of those, boom, one second. 60 more, boom, one second. There is actually a problem in Europe where... The grid went from 50 to like 49.997 for a couple of days because of mm. some problem or another. Or no. Anyway, something happened there. Mm -hmm. um, some and there was a debate. difference that had yeah. a big effect. But enough that over the course of whatever the, the problem was, that clocks would have drifted by like two or three minutes. Mm -hmm. And there was this debate around, well, should we now run at 50.001 mm. for a week? So the clocks catch up or do we just go back to 50 and then let people adjust their clocks? Mm. What did they do? I don't remember. <gasps> put it in follow up. Yeah. Put it in follow up. Uh, I think there's a Tom Scott video on that. I'll go find that. I find it really interesting how much of your research you consume through videos because I'll watch like a, a video that's interesting when I'm just, you know, doing whatever. But if I'm doing research and it only comes in video form, I'm furious. I want an article because I can skim it. Anyway, that's a whole tangent. Oh, but see, I just a lot I of find this... it really interesting the way that your brain works versus the way that my brain works. Well, I'll be clear. Very infrequently am I going out and finding a video to research for the podcast. It's normally I've already watched this video. <laughs> I'll go find it rewatch it again mm. so I can better reference it. Yeah, that makes sense. But um, so in Texas, I think the grid had moved from 60 hertz to like 59.4. Mm -hmm. And that's the cutoff. If the grid stays below that, or sorry, um, and the reason it's really that frequency is important is that all of the generators in the different power plants have to spin at the exact same frequency. Okay. So all across Eastern North America or Western North America or Texas, North America, every <laughs> single power plant, all of their generators are spinning in exact synchronicity because otherwise the frequency doesn't match up and the grid doesn't work. I'm picturing the most intense synchronized swimming. Pretty much. You've ever seen all day, every day. And it's literally what keeps the lights, the lights on. You know what they need to do is they need to do like an Osmosis Jones style movie about the power grid. There must be. Also, we should just watch Osmosis Jones. Yeah, we should watch Osmosis Jones. Um, 
But anyway, so point is the Texas grid was dangerously low frequency and generators are supposed to disconnect after I think nine minutes of being Mm -hmm. below that 59.4 Hertz threshold Mm -hmm. to protect the generating equipment. And they got halfway through that nine minutes before they managed to shed enough load. So blackouts. Mm -hmm. Um, So basically, Texas was just about four and a half minutes away from having their entire grid shut down Mm. during that ice storm. Mm. Uh, And that is what's called having to go through a black start because um, most electrical plants require that external electricity so they know what the frequency is. Mm -hmm. So to start a grid when nothing on the grid is turned on, you have to you have to turn on one power plant. Okay. Mm-hmm. But but you can't have that power has to go somewhere. Mm-hmm. So you have to have enough load that exactly matches that. Mm-hmm. And it's just, yeah. Wow. It's it's so dicey. It's kind of frankly a miracle that this <laughs> stuff works as well as it does. Um yeah. And like so we talked about how like demand peaks and spikes so much. Mm-hmm. Um I've definitely seen articles about how in the uk specifically power plant operators basically have to like watch british tv because oh when when the bbc goes to commercial break or whatever especially Mm -hmm. in the 70s when there's three channels on everyone goes out to put their cup of tea on and what are british people famous for their high power 240 volt electric kettles (laughs) so it's like oh it's commercial break we're about to see like like a five percent spike in electricity consumption oh my gosh I feel like we've talked before about the type of thing that people a um, hundred years from now will look back on and be like, I can't believe that they did it that way. And I feel like right now we look back on the way we did things a hundred years ago as it pertains to like power um, and think, man, uh, I can't believe they did it that way. And I think a hundred years from now, they'll be thinking the exact same thing. Yeah. Like hearing it described this way is, I mean, it's magic. It's amazing. Also, it's the most Fred Flintstone nonsense that I've ever heard in my life. Yeah, it's the giant Rube, Rube Goldberg machine, right? Oh, I turn on a light switch here, and now there's there's more water falling down a chute at a dam a thousand miles away. That's crazy. We talked a little bit about how electricity is actually made, but I, I, I want to drive this point home. It's almost all just spinning stuff. That you know what I feel good about that because that's what I picture in my yeah. head. And okay, so let me ask you a question, Jade. You have an unlimited supply of coal or natural gas. How are you going to spin something with that? Um, I'm going to burn it. Does fire just make things spin? It makes it causes. Isn't heat the vibration of? particle of of like well yeah yeah that's what heat is but how are you going to turn that into like a spinny thing with magnets and stuff um um right how how do you think a nuclear power plant makes magnets spin i'm not gonna lie to you i just picture the arc reactor from iron man (laughs) no it's it's a lot of either just like big you know car style engines that turn explosions into uh linear motion then linear motion into into circular motion or steam right oh what what does burning stuff do okay make things hot what can you do with hot stuff steam yeah so it's just basically steam engines on steroids right that's that's what a nuclear power plant is a nuclear power plant is just a hyped up steam engine 
huh, that's cool. Yeah. So I think it's really just um, solar power that mm. does some weird science stuff to mm. make electricity. Everything else is just make some magnets spin. Magnets do magnet stuff. Light turns on. Yeah. Well, and it's interesting that that all basically just goes back to the thing we talked about in the beginning, like a water mill yeah. or a wind a windmill. Like it's just spin the wheel, make things go. Yeah. Like I'm sure you could go to ye old sawmill with a water wheel in it, slap that onto a, a spinning magnet dynamo thing, and boom, you know, have a, a several watt generator. <laughs> and then you can use that to do something else entirely. Not me. I couldn't do that, just to be clear. <laughs> I don't have the training. Uh, you get a couple of magnets, we'll be fine. I don't have the um, Wemis. Um, and so I kind of start this with the idea of talking about how just electrification in general is good. Oh, so part of what I did here is, yeah, so like late 1800s, um, like St. John, it's a city around here. Um, in like the late 1800s, early 1900s, like they had electric streetcars rolling around from the power company. Like, wow, doesn't that just seem like wonderful and idyllic? It sounds like something that I would hear somebody say in a transatlantic accent. Yeah. They've just got the electric streetcars, John. I don't know what to tell you. <laughs> and so power was obviously electricity and I guess also power was centralized in the cities. And I was really curious, like, when did rural New Brunswick start to get electrified? I did a very cursory Google, did not find me an answer. And I was like, huh, I'm just going to call my grandmother. OK, <laughs> uh, so I called up her and I was like, hey. Uh, random question for you out of the blue. When did you get electricity? And she was like, uh, she's like quite a while ago. She's like, I mean, I like most of when I was growing up and I was like, huh, that, that's, that's surprising. Like she is, I think 86, 87 now. Mm -hmm. So, you know, we're talking like, like the very early forties. Mm -hmm. And I mean, she was in a pretty rural part of our province here mm -hmm. and She's like, yeah, she's like, I can I can still tell you, you know, it would have been so and so who who wired up the house for mom. You know, he'd be 140 now if he was still alive and wow, blah, 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 blah. Um, and I was like, huh, but I suppose you live right on like where the train came through mm -hmm. that small little town. And this is a huge side topic, but it's just wild that like there used to be trains where she lived and she would take the train to the town 10 kilometers or, or 20 kilometers away to go shopping for the day. Or she take the train into the city where we live now to visit her aunts and stuff. And now you got to drive it. You yeah. Get in your car, sit in your little metal box, drive on the highway. <laughs> and it's just like, God, we used to have so many trains in this country. <laughs> Make Canada trains again. Make Canada trains again. Like I said, my grandmother's had electricity for a long time. Uh, most of her life, which I was kind of surprised to hear about. And... What also surprises me constantly is we live in a pretty electrified part of North America. Mm -hmm. um, obviously, I, you'd be hard pressed place. to find a pardon. I said be in this place. Yeah, it's electrifying. But, but like you'd be hard pressed to find a, a house in North America that doesn't have electricity. But I'm going to make a distinction here between having electricity available, which is part of electrifying and exclusively or nearly exclusively using electricity for your energy needs. Mm -hmm. What I mean by that is 
the last couple of videos from Alec on Technology Connections have been about electrifying appliances in your home, mm-hmm. which I've grown up with almost all electric appliances. Mm-hmm. I've never known anyone who had a gas like clothes dryer. Mm-hmm. I've never known anyone who's had a, gl- a gas hot water heater. Mm-hmm. I've known very few people, I think only your parents, mm-hmm. that have had a gas stove yeah. and that's propane. We had a propane stove, um, which was great. Like a cooking yeah. stove, to be clear. Yeah. And then um, I'd say the most common use of fossil fuels around here is for heating your home. Mm-hmm. You know, There are people uh, on our street who get deliveries every yeah, same. however many weeks. Same here. Um, or like there is natural gas, natural gas infrastructure here in town as well for, for that. Um, I guess I had an uncle that had like a, a natural gas barbecue and like decorative fireplace. Okay. Yeah. My parents currently have a natural gas decorative fireplace. Okay. Even in Canada, there's lots of places where like your water heater or your clothes dryer or your stove mm-hmm. by default is, is gas of some flavor. Yeah. I um, know. I know people who wild. had washer dryer. That's yeah. gas. Well, just one though just one hopefully, hopefully your clothes wash is not gas powered that would or, be <laughs> sorry you know what i mean you know what i mean <laughs> yeah honestly for a long time some of those things made sense like especially heating um you can try and make the argument that it's more energy efficient for you to burn natural gas in your house than to burn natural gas at a power plant and then turn that into electricity mm-hmm. and then use that electricity to heat your house mm-hmm. i won't go into heat pumps because Alec will cover that in more detail than you've ever wanted to know. <laughs> but the point is heat pumps are magic because they don't create heat. They move heat, which means they can be more than 100% efficient. So there, it could be the case where even if you have like a coal-powered, like all your electricity comes from coal, that instead of burning the coal in your house, you're, more, you're better off burning the coal in a power plant to power your heat pump. Wild. See, that's uh, the type of magic where like 100 years from now, they're going to look back and be like, well, they finally got it. Yeah, finally. And even stuff like electrifying cars. Obviously, the move to EVs is such a, a huge part of the culture and stuff people talk about mm-hmm. now. It's ridiculous how inefficient gas vehicles are. Mm-hmm. For every liter or gallon or whatever unit of gas you're burning... Uh, on average, 70 to 80% of that is waste heat. Mm. So if there's, I forget the the total amounts of, you know, watts or joules or whatever unit you want to talk about in a, a gallon is, but I know like a, like a, a mid-range Tesla, the energy contained in all those batteries is roughly equivalent to like two gallons of gas Mm -hmm. if you convert that gas into just pure electricity Mm -hmm. but because a regular car basically wastes 80 percent of the gas you put into it yeah it's uh, more potent yeah even though the car has so much less total energy storage it's massively more efficient to the point where um and there's been you know people who've done the math down being like if you powered your tesla off of only coal power electricity it's still more green like in terms of like greenhouse gas emissions and stuff than driving a gas car. Mm-hmm. And so that's one of the things where taking everything we can and turning it electric is so beneficial because again, 
you can have a really dirty cult, a really dirty power grid that is still more efficient, right? Like a yeah. natural gas power plant can be 80% efficient instead of the 20% efficient that a car is. Yeah. Which is wild. And then moving to solar and wind power or nuclear or hydro, or whatever, like once you've turned everything electric, you get that improvement for free. So you look at things like electric stoves and it's like, wow, moving to an electric stove, even if, you know, it's not totally clean yet. Once I have an electric stove in place, I don't have to worry about changing my stove in, in five years when the new, you know, the, the, the newer stuff comes out for burning fossil fuels more cleanly or we move mm-hmm. away from fossil fuels entirely. And that's why you see a lot of people talking about or being influenced by big oil to be like, oh, wow, I sure love cooking on my gas stove (laughs) because who cares what your clothes dryer runs for heat? No one has an emotional connection to their clothes dryer. Mm -hmm. The vast majority of people, I'm sure there's a small devout crowd of clothes dryer enthusiasts. Most people don't care. Like it gets hot. It makes my clothes fine. I would say, if anything, I would rather not have fire next to my dry clothes. Yes, I agree. But and even when we talked about your parents' propane stove, you're like, ooh, it was great. I enjoyed it, but I will tell you why. It's a very specific reason. Uh, Where I grew up, we've talked about in our water episode, we were on a well, not on municipal water. And so when the power went out, we had no cell service because we weren't within cell tower ranges for a very long time when I was a kid. We had no water. And the only thing that kind of allowed us to maintain some semblance of normalcy was the fact that we could cook on our gas stove as long as we manually lit it. So knowing that you could like make food was a good peace of mind. Yeah. And I also just enjoyed... I don't know. There are things, you know, the the stove that we had then was nicer than the current stove that I have because it's an electric coil stove and the coils don't heat evenly and mm-hmm. they are not evenly in their little seats where they're supposed to sit. So everything's kind of crooked and it's annoying. But that's not necessarily related yeah. to the fact that it was a gas stove. It was just a nicer stove. Yeah. And a lot of the, the reasons people enjoy their gas stove is like, oh, wow, like I have instant control over the heat and I can see the how hot the thing is. And like as someone who has only ever had like a, a ceramic top stove, it's like, yeah, it's such a pain when you're like, ooh, I want this to be colder now. And then you turn the heat down and it's still like burning your stuff for the next five minutes. Yeah. But that's why induction cooktops are even cooler Mm -hmm. literally because they directly heat the pan with magnets it's all magnets everything's magnets now (laughs) you're gonna have to do an episode on magnets (sighs) anyway (laughs) don't so induction (laughs) like induction stuff will actually boil water faster in a lot of cases than your gas stove will because we talked about inefficiencies do you know how inefficient gas stoves are? I mean, you probably do. Like if you were like had that thing yeah. cranked up and you're staying next to it boiling water, the wall of hot air coming yeah. up at you, yeah. like that's all waste heat. Like yeah. especially in the summer, like in the winter, sure, it's fine. You have to heat your house anyway. Mm-hmm. In the summer, that's just more work for your air conditioning. There's just something really primitive about cooking over fire that's really satisfying. Yeah. Um, And I think, I don't know. I think it's a nostalgia thing, but... I don't really care that much about having a gas stove in the city. 
because I can still flush my toilet and that's comforting. <laughs> yeah. And like we have a, we have a wooden cert in our living room too, mm-hmm. which is nice for a backup thing. But yes, yes. Yeah, we also just... had a wood stove, like not for cooking, for heating the house when I was yeah. growing up. Um, and, and, and obviously I'm not here being like, ooh, you should never touch fossil fuels ever because mm-hmm. it's hard to get. Are you it, secretly right? pro big oil? Maybe. <laughs> no. <laughs> oh, you them and Powerade are cutting you checks left and right. <laughs> Next up, oil aid. <laughs> <laughs> Gross. It's got the It's got the energy. <laughs> it's got the hydrocarbons. Mmm. Hydro-y. I love carcinogens. Um, speaking of hydrocarbons and just the word hydro, uh, I feel like we probably, I don't know, you probably don't call it the hydro bill. I know I don't. But in some places in Canada, especially because of the prevalence of hydroelectric power, people just call their electric bill the hydro bill. I wouldn't not call it the hydro bill. But like you say that around like people from from not Canada and they're like, I'm sorry, like your water bill? Mm-hmm. No, the hydro bill. Yeah. <laughs> right? Like people call them the hydro lines. Mm-hmm. Like all the time do I hear people call them, you know, instead of power lines, it's like hydro lines. It's like these aren't carrying water in them. What else? What else? So yeah. So basically electrification is good electrify all the things all the time uh i thought it was neat that our, our kind of backwater nowhere province seems to be so ahead of stuff like i know i think everyone rents their water heater from the power commission just because i assume at some point in the past they were like hey wouldn't you love to have electric hot water and everyone was like oh, i guess whatever mm-hmm. or uh, a house i lived in previously had a an electric water boiler that i believe had been installed through like a a grant in the 70s or 80s again to replace like an oil or a coal-fired boiler with an electric one um which is great because even if the grid 30 years ago wasn't that clean the grid has gotten cleaner and actually mm-hmm. canada has a pretty clean grid nationally anyway uh mostly because bc and ontario are mm-hmm. like entirely like hydro and nuclear powered yeah so in quebec it's predominantly hydro Ontario is nuclear and hydro. Manitoba is hydro. BC is hydro. Hmm. Uh, even the Northwest Territories and the Yukon are also both hydro. Wild. Uh, none of it is predominantly fossil fuels. I think because a lot of their remote settlements are just powered mm-hmm. by like diesel generators. Uh, Saskatchewan and Alberta, to no one's surprise, are predominantly natural gas and coal. Who could have foreseen? Yeah. Uh, PEI apparently is wind. Uh, Newfoundland's also hydro. Nova Scotia predominantly is coal, uh, hmm. which I was surprised by. Mm. Um, I guess there's quite a bit of coal mining industry down there. New Brunswick used to have a lot more coal when uh, they used to mine out of Minto. Yeah, but right now, New Brunswick is predominantly fossil fuels and nuclear and hydro. Well, so we're, we're kind of in the We're middle. diverse. Yeah, we're diverse. Uh, a little bit dirty. But uh, yeah, Canada as a whole is a pretty clean grid. Especially compared us. to like the the states on average, <laughs> Texas. I just want to. I was thinking about while you're looking for the thing you're looking for. Um, when you were talking about your grandmother getting power, if you think back to our Dolly Parton episode, yeah. where I was talking about how rural and um, poverty stricken many parts of the Appalachians are, um, you may recall that there were parts of the Appalachian mountains where people didn't have electricity in their homes until well into the 70s 80s yeah which is crazy 
Yeah. Oh, and I'm sure, like, again, my grandmother lived in, like, a small rail town community. So I'm sure the people more rural than that were not getting mm-hmm. into the 40s and 50s. Yeah. Probably later. Uh, but, yeah, I've got a graphic here from Wikipedia that is a percentage of electricity production from fossil fuels in 2021. And Canada is in the 0 to 20% bracket. Whereas nice. the States is in the 80% bracket. Oh. Yeah. It really depends on where you are in the States, what your grid looks like. Yeah. I uh, bet California's I looks great. So, yeah, we talked a little bit about storage and you were talking about rooftop solar and how you can store that in your house. Um, so the average U.S. household uses 30 kilowatts of power a day. Mm-hmm. So a kilowatt is a thousand watts. And we talked about light bulbs. So... Uh, a 100 or 100 watt light bulb running for an hour is 100 watt hours. Mm-hmm. So running that light bulb for 10 hours is a kilowatt, right? Mm-hmm. Yep. So if you had 30 100 watt bulbs that you ran for 10 hours a day, that's 30 kilowatts. Okay. Um, which is actually a pretty low number. Now, if that's the U.S. household average, I imagine that's brought down a lot by the fact that Place, dads some everywhere have... are barking at their kids to turn the lights off and not touch the thermostat <laughs> that too but a lot of like southern places wouldn't have near the heating demands mm-hmm. and a lot of like midwestern places or like canadian prairies i think even like ontario like gas heat still quite common mm-hmm. so um like i think i feel like my power bill in the winter like i'm more like 40 kilowatts a day maybe i don't know i should check but anyway point is Uh, that's the amount of power you have to use in a day. And to store that much power, you would need about $4,000 of lithium batteries. And that's just the batteries. That's not all the other stuff you need Mm -hmm. to make batteries work. And the space for the batteries. Yeah. Now, the space isn't a a, a huge problem. Um, But obviously, storing all the power you need is kind of a problem. Except people are already buying these giant batteries, except they also come with wheels. They're called EVs. Mm-hmm. So your average EV now is coming with anywhere from like a 60 to 130 kilowatt hour battery pack. So you see like the Ford Lightning, like, ooh, the Ford Lightning can power your house for three days. That's not an exaggeration. It's got like a hundred and oh, I 10, saw 20, this 30. episode of Technology Connections. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So like it it genuinely can do that. Or like I'm looking at buying like a, like a used Nissan Leaf, which has like a 24 kilowatt hour battery pack. Mm-hmm. So that Nissan Leaf can power a house for almost an entire day mm-hmm. if you can get it wired up and hooked into it. Um, not all EVs have the capability just to like run your entire house, but you know it's 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 a place we're approaching, mm-hmm. which I think is just wild and cool. Yeah. But yeah, like like I said, we don't have that like grid scale capacity to store power yet. Um, I think you know Australia, there's some like big Tesla battery power station type things. Or uh, one of the videos I was watching was talking about there's like a military base that has a like several hundred megawatt hour battery. If bank. it's gonna be anywhere, it's gonna be on the military base. Yeah. But but all the, they use it just so that they can charge them at night when power is cheap and then not have to pay the higher rates during the day. And yeah. it's going to take like 11 years to break even. But over the whole course of the project, it's going to save like half a million dollars. Yeah. So that, that's kind of where that's heading. But the other cool thing is because remember how we talked earlier about how power production 
is just taking like potential or mechanical energy mm-hmm. and turning it into electricity. Mm-hmm. There's nothing saying you can't do the opposite. Okay. How, how does the dam work? The water. <laughs> the, the water the flows water through it. The water goes through the holes. Yeah, it makes the thing spin. You get power. Yeah, and you yeah. throttle it based on how much water you let through. Yeah. So why couldn't we do the opposite? Why couldn't we take electricity, pump water to the top of a hill, and then when we when we need electricity, the water runs back down the hill? I'm not gonna lie to you. I was gonna ask why earlier if we could when you were saying things are essentially steam powered, can we power pump out the electricity from the steam and then you circle it back around and then you use the electricity to heat to create the steam and then you do the and then it just becomes a circle <laughs> you can you're gonna you're, you're gonna lose enough at each stage that you're not gonna come out ahead okay interesting yeah that's called the law okay of thermodynamics oh okay yeah man i discovered that maybe i'll get like a nobel prize or something yeah 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 so you're not gonna get the electricity you get into it's called like pumped hydro storage you're mm-hmm. not gonna get 100 percent of it back but you know, if you have a day that's super sunny and windy mm-hmm. and no one's using the power, mm-hmm. well, geez, it's going to waste. So what if we only get 80% back, right? Let's pump this water up this hill into oh. this big reservoir. And then when everyone comes home for supper and it gets dark in the winter, well, we can just turn around and instead of pumps, now they're generators. Yes. You were explaining um, how like water towers can work as batteries in our yeah. water episode. Yeah. And this is something that, again, Alec from Technology Connections points out, is you can store energy not as electricity. Like he talks about, I think he's saying like in the summer, he runs his air conditioner really, really low, as in it cools his house off a lot overnight when rates are cheap. And then he just turns his air conditioner off during the day when Mm -hmm. rates are high. Mm -hmm. And he's basically just using like the thermal mass of his house as kind of sort of a battery. Yeah. Yeah. I understand. Just, yeah, you, you, you can your or like your electric hot water heater. The water will stay hot for like hours and hours into like days territory. Mm-hmm. And so again, like if you're if you're hot, if your electricity is expensive between like two in the afternoon and eight at night, you could have your hot water heater not run during those times and probably never notice it mm-hmm. and just have it run at night to do whatever. So anyway. If this is if if you have stuck through with the podcast this long, uh, and you're like, wow, not only do I not hate myself, I kind of want to learn more. Uh, just take a day and just go watch everything, uh, but especially technology connection stuff on like electrification. And then leave a comment, not a bossy comment, just like a friendly comment that says, "Hey, check out this cool podcast." They would love <laughs> for you to guest or not, whatever, breezy. Oh, and they were cool enough to have uh, him as a guest there. I think we would be too starstruck. So theoretically explain to me, um, I think I know how it would work. So if you have a, like a, a hamster on a wheel yeah. that you're using to generate power, it's basically the same thing as using like a windmill to create yep. mechanical power, except instead you have a hamster, which is infinitely funnier. Yep. No, you'd need a lot of hamsters, but you could definitely do it. I mean, at that point, like really, you could argue that that's solar powered because what are hamsters going to eat? I don't know. Probably grass. Where's grass gets power from the sun 
<laughs> Therefore, hamsters are solar powered. Change of mind. <laughs> solar powered hamsters. That's the title that of the, the episode. Title? The <laughs> title of the episode is Hamsters are Solar Powered. We're just really burying the lead with this one, aren't we? Yeah. They're if you've like... stuck it out this long, congratulations. <sighs> Did you have anything else you wanted to cover? Because we're getting. Mm. Yeah. No, we I think we're good. I guess do you have any other questions? I think we've covered it. Um, I do feel more intelligent and worldly after this episode. Um, These were all not only fun facts, but also um, daily useful facts. So daily use. I promised I was going to tell you why plugging things into extension cords. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Why I'm allowed to do it. And you can tell my dad to not yell at me. (laughs) So... And we talked about this when I was talking about how the grid is just a bunch of extension cords put together. Yes. Um, the reason you can't plug 400 hair dryers into an outlet mm-hmm. is because each one of those hair dryers wants to pull a certain number of amps. Mm-hmm. Um, because the voltage is fixed. The voltage is 120 volts. Mm-hmm. If the hair dryer wants 10 amps, that's 100 Sorry, that's 1,200 watts. Mm -hmm. Uh, If you have two hair dryers, that's 2,400 watts, 20 amps. Your average household outlet is rated for 15 amps. Um, If you try to pull more than that through, there's so much electricity rushing through the wires, the wire gets hot. Mm -hmm. And if you put too many amps through the wire, it catches fire. You don't want that. Yes. Um, So the circuit breaker down your basement or whatever... um, if it sees too many amps coming through, uh, it's going to go, oh, no, mm-hmm. and and trip. Yes. Uh, back in the old day, you pop a fuse. Nowadays, they're circuit breakers, so you don't have to go physically replace something. You just mm-hmm. flip a switch. So really, as long as you're not pulling more than 15 amps out of that outlet, you're fine. Now, you shouldn't be pulling 100% of the rate of load. You should be doing 80%. So I think that's 13.5 amps. That's realistically the highest continuous draw you're going to see on like a space heater or uh, a hair dryer or something like that. Mm-hmm. The problem is most extension cords are not rated for 15 amps. Uh. This is something that's stupid. And again, technology connections talks about this some, but like the circuit breaker is concerned about, about protecting the, the wiring in the wall to mm-hmm. the outlet. Mm-hmm. Nothing cares what happens once it yeah. hits the outlet. So like picture like your cheapo dollar store two prong cord mm-hmm. that you used to plug in like one set of Christmas lights. That thing might be rated for like five amps. Yeah. So if you, if you put a 10 amp load on that, the breaker is not going to care. Yeah. But that wire is going to burst into flames. Yeah. You need those wires to have the same rating or rated for higher yeah. amps. Frankly, it's shocking and horrifying that we don't require extension cords to either be rated for 15 amps or if less than 15 amps have some sort of like built-in circuit breaker or fuse protection on them that is crazy yeah so now power bars though do have a lot of them have that built in i'm not sure if those are all necessarily overcurrent although they could be but also they're usually a lot shorter and a lot thicker wire so if your power bar is rated for 15 amps right you Mm -hmm. can take a power bar that's rated to pull 15 amps and fill it with other power bars that are rated for 15 amps. And I amps. will. 
Now, if you do this out to like, you have like a hundred power bars chained together, you've added so much length to that Mm -hmm. that you're getting voltage drop. Mm -hmm. But generally speaking, this is not electrical advice. Follow your electrical codes, blah, 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 manufacturer instructions, et cetera, et cetera. And also if your house catches on fire, um, it wasn't our fault. Yeah. But you can get away. Like, and obviously, like when you're telling like a child, hey, don't plug stuff into, like don't plug an extension cord into an extension cord right Mm -hmm. definitely like if without getting into the nuance which you're not going to get into with a child Mm -hmm. you can do that but like we've had power outages i've run like a space heater that can pull 1500 watts off an extension cord that can only do a thousand watts Mm -hmm. because i had that i had the space here running on low Mm -hmm. and i was like wife do not and i can't this is enough do not turn the space heater on high or the house will burn down Mm -hmm. obviously that's dangerous but, you know, that's what you got to do when you have power edges and stuff and yes. extension cords and so on and so mm-hmm. forth. But it's just wild. That's like, yep, these things all plug in together and it'll work mm-hmm. until it catches fire and melts. Yeah. And your average person won't have the knowledge or understanding, thanks to the public school system, we're bringing yeah. it all the way back around, to understand that they need to be essentially the the circuit breaker. They need to yeah. understand how to prevent this from happening yeah and to be clear i had like a like a kilowatt power meter plugged into the generator so i i, I was watching like a hawk when i turned on like okay if this pulls too much we just can't run this anymore mm-hmm. but the space here running on low it, it was well within the range of what that cord could sustain so i was like okay we'll just we'll be careful with it we're not going to run it unattended but you know to, to heat up the room mm-hmm. for here now it's fine i guess yeah cool yeah all right well, well thanks for sticking around. <laughs> we don't have any follow-up uh, because the follow-up wa- that was from our GMO episode went into the last episode that we are going to attempt to recover. Um, so uh, we'll see you next week. See you next week. If you like this episode, feel free to subscribe and leave us a review. You can find us at Fun Fact Collectors on Instagram and Twitter. If you have suggestions for future episodes or just want to share your favorite fun facts, feel free to send us an email at headnerds at funfactcollectors.com. If you're interested in learning more about today's topic, check out the show notes. This has been Fun Fact Collectors. See you next week. See you next week.